Hello and welcome to Robust Discuss with Sean and Brian. This is a podcast where we politically discuss our society and the various pathways we could take to improve it. We will dive deep into our morality, our government, and our lives with topic ranging from philosophical questions to U.S. politics and current events. Today, we will be discussing education reform, specifically education reform when it comes to funding. You see, currently, education funding in the United States relies primarily on state and local resources, specifically property tax, but a very small share of that revenue does come from the federal government. With this current system, students end up shortchanged and in overall worse circumstances, particularly in lower income areas. Because it relies too heavily on state and local taxes, the funding can vary drastically from state to state and even from district to district within the states. The problem then only gets worse when a recession hits, specifically because of the property tax allocations, the funding will fall drastically as they did following the 2007 recession, and it actually took until roughly 2016 for the average per student revenue and spending level to return to those pre-recession numbers. To spout off a few different states, for example, Florida, 40% of their local property taxes will go to funding education, and they only get 11.4% from federal funding. Whereas in comparison, you have a state like Hawaii that has nothing coming from local property taxes and has upwards of nine, almost 90% of its state tax that goes to education. Yeah, it's like how you were saying, how just if you just happen to be born, grow up just in the wrong neighborhood, because of how it's funded, it's going to drastically affect, I know how your life goes, you know, that disparity is something that the federal government should, uh, considering how they fund other programs, should be raised uh, in many of the states, uh, and considering, like, you know, how much more some states get compared to others, um, and the fact that that percentage is just so low in the first place. It's really low for federal funding for most states. Um, I think the highest one that I can see here is Alaska, but then even also you even have a worse distribution for the District of Columbia, uh, like Washington, D.C. We have the 8.2 federal, but then there is no state taxes. It's not a state. so. It has to have 91.8 for local taxes, and then it's at the th- almost 30% for the local property tax allocation. But that's that's extremely focused locally rather than, I mean, it can't be state level because D.C. doesn't get that representation. They, they're not a state. It's another conversation. But uh, that's even less funding that they're given, and yet, and they still have one of the lower numbers of federal funding. You would think PC would get more funding than that, um, just considering. Well, you also have to consider the price point of living in D.C., just around Washington, D.C. In that area, there are naturally nicer homes, higher property taxes. 
So they may view it as we don't need to give a lot of funding because the property taxes are covering it. Right. But that's still creating a disparity. Yeah, that is true. Because it's in, even if they're covering it, there's still a disparity because some houses in a certain area are going to be so much nicer than maybe five miles down the road still in Washington, D.C. And that's, again, a point that like I kind of want to segue into is that um, it's a cycle of misfortune that you're left into. Like you were saying, um, if you grow up in a rich neighborhood with large property taxes, you will get a well-funded public school. With better funding for schools, it'll equal a better education. When you get a better education, you have a better overall opportunity in the world. On the flip of that, you grow up in a poor neighborhood, you're met with lower-funded schools. That'll lead you to a worse education, and thus already creating that barrier for children straight into school, getting that education. Right. And that's, you know, that's something where um, a lot of people have been complaining about it. And I don't think we realize, because one, it took me a long time to realize that's why certain communities just stay down. There's two big things that always uh, contribute towards uh, general life uh, uh, satisfaction and happiness. And state you know your state of well-being and that's money and that's education and they're not the same but um if you have a good education well you're going to be put in a position you're going to be granted opportunities that will give you more money and vice versa well if you have more money as in how we're talking about it now where if we allocate more federal funding towards uh, state education. And on top of that, um, also reevaluating current budgetary uh, expenditures, you know, how we use our money in the first place, where if there are any programs that may be bloated, inefficient, whatever the case may be, that can reallocate uh, the funding for those programs towards education, you're going to get better quality of education, which means people are going to get more opportunities to to increase their career earnings, um, as well as more educated communities tend to experience less crime. And the, the, the biggest thing is you're, you're completely right. It does help those areas. It does do all of those things. And that's why it's really detrimental when you think and realize that the highest spending districts in the United States will spend nearly 10 times as much as their lower spending counterparts. And those large differentials are happening not only across states, but especially and even still within state lines. So you're immediately creating scenarios where, just like you said, all those benefits that it's providing education-wise to then the crime and everything else, you're only providing it to sectional portions of your state or even if your state's considered one of the better states, even and then you have the inner portion of only some areas will get it where there will still be very low income focal points that will never get that education to never rise up. Yeah, exactly. And also creates a culture that, you know, that doesn't assist. So if all you know is poverty, right, and you can't escape it, you aren't giving tools for your children to escape it. You know, there's, there's so, I don't mean to be like very negative, but it's, you know. Yeah, it's, it's detrimental to your mental state and everything. And then 
I mean, even if you want to step back and say, well, you know, you can still put in the hard work and you can still get it done. I'm not trying to, and I don't think either of us are trying to say that. Because you absolutely can. You know. You absolutely can. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not that it's impossible. It's the fact that you're initially setting up that scenario which they're at a slight to possibly major disadvantage. An example like I'll give with my own personal experience. The high school that I went to was a rather nice high school. It was a it was a relatively like middle to upper middle class area and we had quite a bit of amenities there at that school. Um, I mean, laptop carts and things like that, that we could pass between classrooms and stuff. There were a lot of things that I had access to. This presented me with a unique opportunity in which I had access to a plethora of information. We had that a well-stocked library. I could get a laptop or go into the computer room any time of the day and do research or you know, write my papers, do my work, do anything I need to. We had a plethora of guidance counselors available to us. You know, we had all of that available to help me succeed in high school and beyond. For those who don't have that, maybe the school can only afford one guidance counselor, and that guidance counselor can't get to every student at every point in time, and some fall through the cracks. You have one person for uh, an entire high school, which is sometimes the case. How can they help hundreds, thousands of students? Yep, and that's they're not going to be able to. And so, as people fall through the cracks there, or they don't get the time to, maybe they don't, maybe at their home they can't afford a computer and access to internet or things like that. And so they rely on that library and that computer room. And what if that school's library, you know, has to close down because maybe their funding isn't there? They get a leak. They have to shut it down. The student can't access it. They fail their tests. They can't do their research. You kind of described a lot of my high school experience. My family wasn't necessarily poor, but there were times where we struggled. There were times where we didn't have access to a computer all the time. You know, I took my chemistry final uh, that I was doing on an online school program uh, during my senior year. I had to do that at the local library. I had to have my dad drive me actually to the local library to finish my class. And by the way, that was for me to graduate. Just hit me. Yeah, I had to <laughs> I had to call the teacher of that class because I was struggling really hard with it. Um, and I had to, you know, I was on the phone trying to get all my answers right for this final exam to be able to get my high school diploma. And that, that's awesome that that turns out well for you. But imagine those that it doesn't turn out well for. And that's that's the conversation. Exactly. I got lucky. That's the that's basically kind of the focal point of of our episode here today is that we're just trying to showcase to to our listeners and, and you guys that it has negative effects when you don't get that education we can't say that education like it is a pillar of our society and our abilities to succeed and better ourselves to be able to fight for yourself not in like a physical sense, in a mental sense in terms of like what your rights are, how to do your taxes, how to understand how accounting and numbers work so that you can like, you know, do do the math problems to figure out what your paychecks are and this and that. Like there are processes that and things that you need to learn and understand that if you simply are start out from a pro like from the beginning, you are literally disenfranchised because you just It's just a benefit for everyone. You have more people who can generate 
more wealth, exactly. more uh, technology, more advancements in medical, in the medical field, in the tech field, in education itself, agriculture. You know, if you'll have less people who are forced or tied down to having to work, you know, low paying wage jobs, um, although that's another topic in itself. We have a previous episode on that if you want to check it out on our on the minimum wage. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, if you're gonna be so gun ho on, hey, you know, better your life so you don't have to work this terrible minimum wage job, well, hey, fund their education better so that they have the opportunity to do so. Exactly. And that's a another thing on that is where we're not even going to get into the specifics of where the funding should come from. We understand there's a lot of areas that some people think we could pull from. There are other areas that some people think we could pull from here. There are other areas that people think we can pull from. There's multiple ways that we could reallocate funding. But the focal point is simply that the funding is not there. And it should be. And it will better people's lives. And I think that We've both made great points on that. There are even numerous studies that show the benefit that increased funding can have. Obviously, they improve test scores, but also they have higher graduation rates, and they even increase earnings for students in adulthood. There was a uh, research study conducted by Northwestern University economist uh, Karibo Jackson, and he demonstrated substantial benefits to spending more money in schools. Um, they found that adult wages were boosted by 7% for students in districts that increased spending on students by 10% during their 12 years in public school. Graduation rates were boosted by several percentage points for students in schools that increased spending, and a 05 to 0.8% fall in high school dropout rates for New York students when funding increased by 2 to 3%. So there you simply see that as you increase the like per student funding and you will allow them the ability to have a equal opportunity to succeed because they can get the education, learn and go through life in in a way that allows them to support themselves. Right, and I'm going to just tack this on at the end here real quick. Something that kind of came up was quality of life, too. In one way, the quality of life will improve because, of course, more education, more wealth, you can afford better things. And really what I think would happen is not necessarily that the the lower class would disappear, just rather their quality of life, uh, their standards would go up, if that makes sense, because it would be uh, potentially a domino effect or, you know, how they talk about uh, trickle-down economics in the other direction. But as well as better funded schools, if that funding went to teachers and guidance counselors, um, the school staff, essentially, that they are paid better and are staffed more, you'll have more professionals who can assist children better. Um, we all know what growing up is like. Not easy. A lot of friends we've had or 
even ourselves who have gone through different traumas, hard situations, a lot of people who don't, who have not had somebody like a guidance counselor, a teacher to help them because there's not enough, uh, they don't have enough time, they don't have enough staff, enough resources. If they get that, now you're helping, you're reaching out to more people and that affects how your life is gonna go. I mean, I was like, I couldn't have said that better myself. That's exactly it. That funding leads to just better quality of life all around, not only for the, the students who are attending the schools, but the faculty and the, the people working there as well. Um, well, everybody, if you guys are looking for more interaction, you guys can connect with us on Twitter at Robust Podcast. And we also have a Discord server where you can have more in-depth conversation with us. And we even kind of do a stage channel where we do our recordings and you can kind of listen to us live here's some of the bloopers the pauses the things that we edit out for your listening pleasure so uh thanks for listening and we'll see you next time all right bye